Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, this is Layla Ali. Make sure you tune in to the BTM podcast because I'm going to be on talking boxing, cooking, Layla Ali lifestyle brand, and so much more. So don't miss it. Let's go behind the mask. What up? What's happening? Man, welcome back to another episode of the BTM podcast. I'm delighted to be here today, man, but I got to bring in my, my partner, man, too. Where you at, boy? What's going on? It's your favorite plus size model, Tucson Reyes in the building. Spikes, what's good, homie? Plus size model, what's good, my dog? Man, another day in paradise, another day in paradise. Ready to get after it today, man. Oh, we gonna get after it then. So without further ado, man, let, let, me, let me set the stage for the next guest that's coming up on the BTM podcast. Ladies and gents, we are in the presence of greatness. This next guest is regarded as one of the best female boxers ever. Holds a standing title record of 24-0 with 21 knockouts. She starred on such shows as The Masked Singer and The Celebrity Apprentice. Listen, she got her own cookbook, too. Yep, I best believe I'll be copping that. <laughs> it's, it's titled Foods for Life and created her own line of organic seasonings. Oh, got a cop that as well. Skincare line, apparel line, and mm. recently launched her home decor. Coming to the Behind the Mask podcast, please welcome Layla Ali. How you doing? Man, yeah, how's I am, it going? I'm good now since I caught my breath. I was about to pass <laughs> out trying to hold that note. <laughs> That bio yeah, is amazing. Yeah, you you said a lot, and that made me tired just listening to all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, how is everything going, though? You good? Everything's good. Everything's good. It's a beautiful time of year. Um, you know, the family's happy and healthy, so what more could I ask for? Well, we're glad to have you on a BTM podcast. Uh, it's been a long time coming. But what we do, we like to start off the show with a segment called This or That, just to get our audience familiar with you, to get them familiar with greatness. So you get to choose one or the other. About to get into it. This or that. People may not know, but you're married to retired NFL player Curtis Conway. So this or that. Who's the better athlete, Layla Ali or Curtis Conway? Curtis Conway, for sure. You know what? I'm good in the boxing ring, but um, I would not say I'm an all-around athlete, whereas my husband is. So, you know, he was a state track champion. He could have played basketball, you know. Um, so, yeah, he's just super, super amazing and athletically gifted more so than I am. I can knock people out, so Ooh. I got that answer. <laughs> I'm sure he could, too, if he wanted to, but he's much nicer than I am. Tread lightly, tread lightly. Okay, <laughs> this or that. If you all had tickets to the 50-yard line for the Super Bowl, or would you prefer to have ringside tickets to the championship fight of the century? Which one are you going to, the Super Bowl or the fight of the century? We absolutely are going to the fight um, because I am more of a boxing fan than I am a football fan. And, you know, happy wife, happy life. So I get to choose that one. 
Definitely, definitely. I'm with it. I'm with it. I don't, Spikes. I don't know what, what, what you think you would do, Spikes. Happy, hey, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> you sure. don't want to get put in the ring and get knocked out. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. So last this or that. Um, being married to a retired football player, NFL player. Um, assuming you know a little bit about ball. So this or that. Who is Layla Ali's favorite NFL team? I don't have a favorite team, to be honest with you. Um, it's so funny because before I met Curtis um, and found out that he played football, I didn't even know who he was. You know, a lot of times with your sport and you're wearing helmets, people don't actually see you unless you're like one of the main poster boys or you have, you know, things that you're doing outside of football itself. So I'm one of those people like when I turn on um, football or my husband turns on football, I'm kind of like just rooting for a good game and watching the plays. But I don't really have a team that I love. That's fair. Fair. I, I want to ask you this, though, because it's you have your hands in so many things. But we're going to first start with boxing. So you finish your career undefeated, won four world titles, and you're still recognized as one of the most successful boxers in the game. Right. So talk about that process. Is like what made you get into the sport? Yeah, um, I think that just to respond to what you said about being one of the most successful boxers, I think that a lot of comes into play when you think about that. Um, you think about financially, the amount of money that I made more so than most of the women that are in the sport now. The last name, you know, Ali was very powerful. So that brought a lot of attention to me and the sport. And, you know, just having a 24-0 with 21 knockout record being undefeated, being a world champion, and having that Ali DNA where I was able to really put on a good show when I got into the ring, all that wrapped up into one is why I think I'm regarded in that way. Um, whenever you mention women's boxing, you'll have to mention my name. Um, I think there's some other women that I would mention as well, being someone who, who knows women's boxing more than others do. But um, it's funny because most people would assume that I just started boxing because I wanted to be like my dad, you know. And it's funny, I didn't even have the idea to become a boxer or an athlete um, when until I saw women's boxing on television for the first time when I was about 18 years old. That's so, crazy, though. I, I've read that. Yeah, it's crazy because I literally went to go watch a Mike Tyson fight at a friend's house. You know, we just, I wasn't even a big boxing fan. You know, I'm a young girl. It's like, oh, Tyson's fighting. Everybody watches, no matter what level of, of you know, um, supporter you are. But um, we had our popcorn and these women come into the ring on the undercard. And I'm like, what? Like women box? I had no idea. And I had always been a fighter. We'll talk about that another time. So I had my share <laughs> of fights. Right. And I was like, I can box professionally, like and not get in trouble. Like, this is amazing. So I went home that night dreaming about becoming a professional boxer and, you know, then woke up the next morning with the, the doubt, like, how am I going to do this? I'm not an athlete. What would it take? What's the world going to think? What's my father going to think? So I talked myself out of it. It took me about a year to actually say, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm not going to tell anybody what my plan is, that I'm planning to see if I can do this professionally, but I'm going to see if I have what it takes because I understood the magnitude of um, pressure that would be on me, being a woman, being Ali's daughter, his youngest girl. Okay, There's nine of us, and I'm the youngest uh, girl. I'm the only one who decided to follow him into the ring. So I had to make sure that it was the right thing to do and fell in love with boxing from there on out. Wow. And you talked about your dad, the GOAT. Muhammad Ali, how 
did it feel when you were actually getting into boxing? Because I read also that you were, uh, I guess, nervous to tell him. You didn't want to tell him initially. So why didn't you feel like telling him? I mean, you got the, the best ever to actually be in your corner if you wanted that support, but you didn't want to tell him. Well, my father and I have a certain relationship. We had a certain relationship. So I'm, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm his youngest last born child, his, his girl. Um, and so I'm a baby girl, right? And I'm also the one that probably gave him the hardest time, okay? <laughs> because I was the most like him. So I remember being, you know, not around eight or nine years old and telling my dad I didn't want to be Muslim. And if you know my dad's story and everything that he went through, you know, with his, his religion and everything and to have his youngest daughter come to him and tell him that, it really caught him off guard. And he said to me, you know, you're too young to know what you want. Like, how do you know what you want? I said, I know what's in my heart. You know, and he was just like, okay, I think that's when he knew, okay, this one's going to be something. You know, because what can he say? That's what you teach your kids to do what's in right. their heart, right? So um, from then on out, that was the first time. And then here I come to him with this with this boxing, right, which I knew he wasn't going to like because my dad's pretty old-fashioned. He was a little bit of a male chauvinist, um, you know, and to, th to think of his daughter being in, in the ring with shorts on and a sports bra, you know, him being Muslim, right? Um, he wasn't going to like that, just simply that in itself. Um, and then, you know, just coming to him out of the blue with this idea was going to seem crazy to him. So I knew it. So I had to make sure that it's something that I want to do. I literally spent like six months training darn near in secrecy, like, you know, again, it was like, oh, I'm just coming to work out. But wow. I, knew, I knew what my plan was. And it got around to him that I was in the boxing gym. So he came in town because my parents had been divorced, came in town and visited. And I remember that conversation like it was yesterday when he brought it up and was like, you know, I hear that you're boxing. And I was like, OK, here we go. So I said, yeah, I am. You know, so I didn't make the choice to tell him right then. He came to me with it. <laughs> so and I just had to face it. I said, yeah, I am, dad. And he said, well, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on you. You know, the whole world will be watching you and judging you. And I said, Dad, I thought about all that, and this is what I want to do. And then he said, he was just, oh, man. He's like, you could tell, he's like, what's he going to say next? And then he said, well, what if you get knocked down? You know, and you're in the ring, and there's going to be lights on you and an audience, and you get knocked down. I said, I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to get back up. So he got more and more irritated. And finally, he said what was really on his mind. He said, it's not for you. It's a man's sport. It's too hard, and I don't want you to do it. And that's pretty much what I felt he would say. And I said, you know, Dad, I respect your opinion, but I've already made my decision. And this is what I'm going to do. And you're either going to support me or you're not. And we kind of left, left it like that. And of course, he ended up supporting me as his daughter, um, came to my pro debut. I had 80 different media outlets, right? Now, I had a good team around me, so we weren't going to fight on TV because it was my first time fighting ever. No amateur mm -hmm. background, nothing. So you can imagine being athletes, right? You got to play Pop Warner, you know, you played in, in, in school, you know, you played in college a lot of time, and then you, then you get all that attention when you already are at your best. I'm getting all this limelight at the very beginning. My own handlers didn't know what I was going to do. It's like, yeah, you're in the gym sparring these guys and doing well. What are you going to do when the pressure's on, when the lights are on, right? When your father's sitting there in the audience watching you. And then I got a, you know, knockout in 54 seconds. So it was on from then on out. <laughs> I, I, I bet it felt like the burden was off your shoulders after that first knockout, though, huh? It felt really good. I have to tell you, I mean, I trained so hard. So I was actually quite irritated at first. Like, no, this girl isn't on the canvas already. Like I did all that training, ran all those mountains, <laughs> gave up pasta, lost all that weight for, for, you know, you want more in that moment. But 
And then, of course, you come down off of that and you're like, okay, I started smiling like I won. And I looked over and I saw my dad. He was smiling. I saw that look in his eyes. And I just want to say before I forget, he did come back to me. You know, after I won, I don't know, it was my first or world, first or second world title. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You can fight. Women can fight. And I'm proud of you. You know, we hugged and embraced each other in that moment because I had been telling myself, I don't care what he thinks, you know, I'm going to do this anyway. I had this tough exterior, you know, but it just melted me because, of course, I wanted my dad's approval and I wanted him to respect me as a fighter, not just support me as his daughter. So when he told me that he was proud of me and he saw similarities, you know, the way I moved in the ring and my jab and all that, it just brought tears to my eyes. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. When you talk about fighting, like we've fought uh, in our own own way on a football field but we had padding protecting and all of that i remember the last fight i got into was in college and actually you know we shared something because i knocked somebody out uh ain't not nobody i did i did i hit him and he fell but the thing is he got up and we was walking back by me i'm like damn he gonna try to fight again and i wasn't ready for that so you know as box as as, as athletes uh, football players when we train for boxing we just hit the bag the bag don't hit back so did you ever feel like what if i really do get knocked out or what if i like what's going to happen at that point? Because I don't think anybody can prepare for that. No, you can't. I mean, I never have thought to myself, what if I get knocked out? We know that that's a possibility that that can happen. And I think that it really depends fighter to fighter. So you know if you have a good chin or not, which I know that I do. I, I mean, I only spar with men mainly because in my side, you know, I was fought at 168 and 175. That's, that's, a, that's heavy. So it's not that many girls in that, you know, weight division that could give me work. So I knew what I could take. So I never was really concerned about being knocked out. But if that was to ever happen, you don't really know it happened from what I hear. It's like the fight's just over. And you're like, a lot of times people have a concussion. So that's not something that I ever worried about. The main thing I always was concerned about was not being in good shape. So I always would make sure I came and, and would be in shape because if you're in a fight and you have a heated moment, you're in there with someone who wants to win just as bad as you do. I want to be able to kick it into another gear. You know, I want to be able to change my uh, speed of punches. You know, a lot of people don't do that. They just punch at the same speed. And sometimes, you know, you need to take it up a notch. And I always want to have some gas in the tank to be able to do that. Never will want to not do well or lose a fight because I simply wasn't in shape. So that was really um, the only concern that I ever had. And that's why I always made sure I was 100% ready to go. So once you you got through the first fight, all right, and then once the titles and the success came, did you ever feel like you were living in your father's shadow? And if you did, how did it make you feel? I asked that because I have a daughter and we share some of the same passions, the things that we like to do. But I was curious to get your take on that. I think it really um, has to do with my foundation coming into the sport. So I'm a realistic person. I knew that I'm always going to be thought of to be Muhammad Ali's daughter. And, and, and I'm happy and prideful to be attached to him in that way. 
but I really had to carve out my own lane aside from my father if I was going to be respected in the things that I do and known for other things than just being Muhammad Ali's daughter. So that wasn't really a hang up of mine because I knew what I was bringing to the table was going to be something special in itself. Um, but I think that, again, you know, people are always going to think of me as Muhammad Ali's daughter. But I didn't feel like I'm living in his shadow because I have so many other things that I can talk about outside of my father. I think that it really would depend on, you know, each individual person that you're talking to and what their accomplishments are. So that was never really a hang up. And again, I'm happy I had the wisdom at a very young age, because, again, I'm going into a sport for the first time, not even as an athlete with all this attention on me, the greatest of all time. And my dad told me not to do it told me I couldn't you know, do it and he didn't think it was for women. So that alone could have crushed me, right? And I wouldn't have pursued my dreams if I would have listened to him. But um, I started to think, forget what my thought was there. But I was saying that, you know, it took a tremendous amount of confidence and self-belief for me to, to, you know, do the things that I did. So my dad wasn't in the gym with me every day. My dad wasn't sparring with me every day. My dad wasn't really a part of the process at all. So I didn't wake up thinking like, oh my God, I'm Muhammad Ali's daughter. What can that do for me today? You know, I always thought, what can I do for me today? I gotta go out here and knock these chicks out because they're coming from me 10 times harder than anyone else. Everybody yes, I fought trained yes, harder. Bro. Yes, they trained harder. They brought their best. I could see a tape of a girl and see her fight a certain way and she would fight me totally different like they get the best trainers they would you know commit to eating right getting their rest doing everything because they thought that was going to be their their big moment you know to fight me so and it was their big moment their big moment to get knocked out uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> their big moment to take an L. <laughs> uh, you know serena serena williams says something like that she said I know every time I go out there, I'm going to get the best from whoever I'm facing. So I have to be as good as I can possibly be on that day because at my best, they definitely can't beat me. So, yeah, I can imagine that, you know, you're getting everybody's A game every time you went out there because if they can't be the one person that says, I knocked out Leila Ali or knocked it down or beat or what have you, then they career skyrockets. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about boxing is like in, in your sport and basketball and tennis, you're going to lose sometimes, right? You're not going to be able to win every single time, but boxing is a sport. No, you, I can stay undefeated. That was realistic for me. I'm, I'm facing one girl. Nobody's going to hit me from behind. No, no, I got I don't have to depend on my team. It's just me. We got, we both got two hands and you're standing in front of me. So I went into that ring with supreme confidence every single time, you know, but Absolutely. Like I have fought at not my best and still won, you know, and that's the thing about boxing. I remember when I fought Jackie Frazier, Joe Frazier's daughter, that was one of the biggest fights in my career. And I had the flu for that fight. Nobody even knew I had like 103 or 104 temperature, like literally. And I was like, at the time it was my ex-husband's promotion, you know, and I wasn't going to back out of the fight with all that it went into it. I was so confident that I could beat Jackie. I was like, I get her out of there in two rounds. Well, I got in that ring. And she ended up being tougher than I even thought right. she was going to be. And, of course, you can't gauge how you're going to feel. I remember after the third round, I was like, had nothing left. And it was just all will that kept me going. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even sit down in between rounds because I was like, if I sit down, my legs, I'm not going to be able to get back up. And she didn't even know. I mean, the fight ended up going the distance. The distance I didn't yeah. stop her like I would have. And that's a regret of mine that I didn't that I didn't uh, have a rematch with her and knock her out, too. So. That, that was a good fight. I actually, you know, preparing for the show, we we watched the fight over, and I was like, they they going yep. at it. We I, were scrapping. 
That it was so early on in my career. It was so early on. Um, you know, I didn't have anywhere near the skills that I ended up having when I retired, but that, that will to win, we both had, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you, so every professional athlete goes through the ups and downs of their career, highs and lows, peaks and valleys. Takiyo and I, we, we like to allude to it as the gift and the curse. So in Layla Ali's career, what was your gift and your curse? Uh, I mean, so I could go on and on on both of those. I mean, it, it, it absolutely was a gift, um, is a gift to be Muhammad Ali's daughter. But, you know, the responsibility that comes along with that is, is really, it was really important that I navigated <clears throat> my career, my um, public persona, you know, all of that a certain way, because my dad, you know, laid such a beautiful foundation before me. And even though I'm not him, I'm always going to respect that legacy. And then I think that, you know, the talent, you know, the natural confidence, the, you know, the things that I just have in my DNA, um, the strength, the power that I have, all of those things really came into play. And I regret not becoming an athlete sooner because I could have excelled in so many different sports. Um, but I think that the curse is, and I think anyone can tell you just being a public person that you're always on, right? So you always have to, you know, be thoughtful and about, you know, who's around, who's watching you because, you know, privacy these days, th that word doesn't even exist, right? So that's pretty much the curse, I guess, that came, came along with it. And I think more so for others, I don't really have much to hide. Um, I'm pretty much myself all, all of the time, so I don't really have to worry about that too much. But, you know, I think everybody would like to maintain a certain amount of privacy just as a human being in general. And you don't have that if you're, you know, in the public eye. Well, since you don't have anything to hide, I got to ask you, how did you and Curtis Conway meet? Because we want to know. This is an interesting story. So um, I this Curtis is my second marriage we both had been married once before and i had uh separated from my ex-husband and a friend a mutual friend of ours invited me to a fight party he said you know hey i have uh a, my friend curtis conway is having a fight party at his house and i'm like okay you know and i was like eh, i don't think i need to be going to any fight party and being seen out right now I just got separated i don't want anybody thinking you know me and this other guy are together if i'm going somewhere with him <laughs> so i remember my friend saying girl just go it's not that serious so i said okay fine i'll meet him there i'm not gonna let him take me there so um he kept saying my friend curtis conway my friend so i said he must be somebody because he keeps saying his name like i'm he said to the first and last name i'm like okay whatever so i go to his house which isn't that far from my house from when i lived in california um we probably were like five miles away from each other i go there and you know it's a house full of people it wasn't much furniture in the house. The air conditioning wasn't on. It was a big oh, house. I was like, man, these people can't afford this house. They ain't got the air on. They don't have any furniture. <laughs> like, I'm like, what kind of mess is this? What kind of ghetto stuff is this? So, I, so I'm there, and I'm in the backyard, and all of a sudden, Curtis comes out, and I turn around and see him for the first time. And little did I know that he had this crush on me from many years ago. He saw me on a magazine cover, and his friend... Quincy Watts, he actually um, was a track champion and ran in the Olympics, but you might know who he is. But Quincy had called him and said, hey, man, I got a surprise for you at the house. So when Curtis came home and I turned around, he saw it was me. He kind of was caught off guard. Now, I didn't know all this was going on. So that's how we met. Um, and I remember it was a Floyd Mayweather fight and we got to talking to each other. I thought he was attractive. 
you already know he thought I was attractive. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I got to somehow, I got to let this guy know I'm not married. Because remember, I had just got separated. Separated. Before. It's not public, right? So that means you was interested in what your eyes had, had you know, put the attention to. Oh, I was huh? scooping him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was scooping him up. So I was like, okay. So I said, we were watching the fight and I had just fought two weeks prior. And I said, you know, you never know what a fighter is going through. You know, I said, cause this guy that was supposed to be winning wasn't doing well. And I said, you know, in my last fight a couple of weeks ago, I was going through my separation and nobody even knew it. So that was my own way of letting him know, like hint, hint. So as I was leaving that day, I said, you know, you know, if you ever need any help decorating, call me. You know, that was like, boom, I'm giving it to him. He's like, oh, okay. And he didn't ask for the number. I'm like, what? So I leave. I know, I know, I know. So I leave and then, um, you know, he he let his friend know that he wanted to connect with me. And then we kind of connected and we've been friends ever since. But I love that. I'm not friends. I mean, we were we became friends and, right. you know, we've been together now 15 years. But I love that about Curtis, that he was shy, because I always say and I tell my friends because I'm like the in the group. I'm the, the friend with the wisdom. I'm the friend that gives you the, the good advice. And I'm like, look, you always got to remember how you met a man. OK, because mm -hmm. if he was hollering at you, he, he walked by and just liked the way your booty looked and was like, damn, let me get your number. He's going to do that again. He's going to see somebody else's booty. He's going to like that, too. So I've never been into those type of guys that are just going to. Hold on. Let me put this note down. Right uh -huh, put, that note, <laughs> put that note down. Like, no, we're not. You're not just going to see me and holler at me because if it's that simple, then it's going to be that simple again. You know, so I like the way that. Curtis kind of has a shyness to him. He has no game whatsoever. I got more game than Curtis. <laughs> That's why I said, we always say, look, look, I always say, I scooped you up. And he's like, no. Uh, he said he saw me on a magazine cover and he told all the guys in his locker room, look at her. She's so beautiful. I can't believe she fights if I ever get a chance to meet her. So he feels, I was like, yeah, but it wouldn't have happened if I didn't initiate it. So yeah, it was, it's a funny story though. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's amazing. You talk about hollering at chicks. <laughs> we know, we know a lot. Obviously, being former professional athletes, we know a lot of women. And over the years, uh, some of them have been like, you know, hook me up with one of your friends, and you know, what do you have any single friends? That kind of deal. But for the ladies in our audience, and for the women friends that we know that are watching and listening to this, what was it like dating an NFL player, and how were you able to turn that into fourteen years of marriage? Shoot, you need to ask him what it was like marrying, being with the champ, because, you know, the role was a little bit reversed. You know what I mean? Like people are like asking him, like, can you hook me up with one of her friends? No, I'm joking. I think that, um, you know, Curtis really was at the end of his career when we met. So I didn't actually have the opportunity to be with him when he played. I never saw him play in, in person. So, he, you know, we met in 2005. That's when he ended his career or his career ended. So, um, yeah, and that's something that we both are like, man, that would have been nice for me to be able to be a part of that because he actually was able to come to a couple of my last fights and actually experience that. So I've never had that opportunity and that experience. But I don't have friends that, um, you know, their goal is to be with an athlete or an entertainer or, you know, it, a certain type of guy. You know, I have a lot of single friends, unfortunately, for African American women, especially. It's really hard to find, you know, a good husband material because 
you know, but unfortunately we got so many of our men in jail. We have so many of our men that they feel like just don't really match them in terms of their, you know, their drive or their success, you know, that they're having professionally, or they feel like, you know, they might be gay or that they, you know, all these different things they're already taken. So it's unfortunate that the ratio of men is, um, you know, just not there, but I just don't have those kind of friends that are just trying to be taken care of. You know, I have friends that really are focused on, you know, trying to, if they're going to find a husband, trying to be a good wife to that husband and a man that's going to be a good husband to them and a good father to their children. Oh, amen to that. Now, I, I want to ask you this because I know how hard it is being an athlete in general. But once once you reach the tier of becoming that professional athlete, it's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make in order to attain your personal goals. But then also it's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make to make sure that if it's somebody in your life to make them feel comfortable and uh, make sure you're giving it the nourishment that it deserves. So how hard was it to date being a championship boxer? You know, it's really I, I didn't do a whole lot of dating. Um, <clears throat> I think, well, the thing about it was funny. Curtis didn't like that I was a boxer. It was, I was like, really, dude? Like, you know, he literally, <clears throat> I remember him trying to talk me out of it, like saying, how much money are you making? I'll just give you the money. You don't have to fight. And I'm like, this is not about the money. Like, he was dead serious, too, because he did not want his woman <laughs> fighting in the ring. And I'm like, you met me as a fighter. This is what I do. Like, forget it. So it was just funny to me, and that's understandable. You know, it, it shouldn't feel comfortable to have your wife be a fighter, right? But he also had to respect that's what I chose to do. Um, but I think that, you know, with boxing, you train for a fight, right? As you know, like you go to training camp, you fight, and it's done. And I might only fight two times a year. So I have all this other time to spend with you know, whether it be your boyfriend or your husband, I think that the challenge for me um, is being a mother, being a wife, being a businesswoman is way more challenging than being a boxer was and not having children, you know, because now women, we wear so many different hats, you know, it's like your mom, but then sometimes you have to remember, I'm also a wife, you know, sometimes you need to be that girlfriend again, you want to be the same way you were um, when your husband met you for the things that attracted him to you in the first place and vice versa. So I think with marriage, that's the thing is really finding that balance and making sure that both of our needs are getting met, you know, um, because there's certain things that he might want and there's certain things that I might want and they might be totally opposite things. and you know, that are going to make us happy, but we have to make sure that we're checking in from time to time and, you know, staying committed to the marriage along with everything else, all the other things that I have on my plate. So, yeah, it's a challenge for sure. So basically, it just really kind of uh, you just have to navigate a different way when you're in the public eye trying to have that relationship, in particular talking about you and Curtis in the early stages. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, if I understand your question, in the very beginning, um, me, you know, I got married really young, my first marriage, um, 22 I was, and my, my ex-husband was uh, a fighter himself, um, which he, and then he retired, and then he started managing my careers. So I really looked to him for everything because he taught me a lot of what I know, and I wouldn't change any, any of the decisions that I made because um, that's how I got here now. But with Curtis, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, I'm more mature, you know, and I really loved 
him. I was so like, I felt like I was more in love with boxing the first time around. And this was the situation that worked best for me to be able to box and do what I loved. But Curtis brought so much to the table that I loved um, him as a person. So we just, I just wanted to go about things the, the right way. And we are, we're just not really involved with really messy people. We're homebodies, you know, so like we really look forward to spending time with our family, with our kids and just being home, you know, and we don't really have to worry about the public so much when it comes to our relationship. But absolutely, I feel like we shouldn't share everything, you know, um, we shouldn't share everything on social media. You shouldn't share everything with the public when it comes to your private, sacred home, your space, your marriage, your relationships, none of that, because Nowadays, it will be used against you, unfortunately. What advice would you give someone who hasn't been married? Don't get married. I'm just joking. That's what you're <laughs> just playing. Don't do it. No, I'm playing. Um, I will say, I will say this. I will say this. I'm not a girl's girl, okay? And uh, I probably was a man in my past life because my, my thought process seems, seems to lean more on the, the masculine side, I would say. Um, and that's and okay. Say, Take us behind I, the mask and please share. I say that with confidence. Um, but I would say that marriage is not for everybody. And it's okay. I think it's okay whether you're a woman or a man and you don't want to get married. It's okay if you don't want to have children. It's a major commitment. When you're, when you're getting married, um, you know, you're merging everything about your life. That's what it's supposed to be with someone else, right? Um, and when you when you create a life with someone, that's like you're doing something on a spiritual level. So you definitely want to make sure that you know you're you're marrying someone for the right reasons. And you know, I think it really takes time if you're going to get married. It takes time to get to know someone. You know, I was surprised. Me and Curtis knew each other for a year before we got engaged. That's really quickly, but we spent so much time together and we had both been married before. Um, but I would say that the best thing to do is really make sure you know that person and go through some things together because, you know, everything is fine when you're just dating, you're sexing, you're going to dinner, you know, and all that. And nothing really stressful has happened. There hasn't been any adversity to really see how someone's going to deal with that. You know, so I think that take your time and if it's right, it's going to be there. That's pretty much it. So you have two children, correct? I do. And um, what would you do if your children decided that they wanted to get into boxing? Oh, man, I would do the same thing my dad did. I would try to talk them out of it. <laughs> um, luckily, my children do not um, have an interest in boxing and they don't have the temperament for boxing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's one thing that could never be denied. When I said that I wanted to be a boxer, I'm sure everyone that knew me was like, mm, I can see Layla doing that. It wasn't like out of the, like a crazy thought for people that knew me because I, like I said, I'd always been a fighter. I always had a certain tenacity. I got the heart of a lion and I'm, I'm a strong girl. I like being tough. I like being strong. I'm physically big. I'm 5'11", I got big hands, I got, you know, big feet. Like, I'm a big girl. Like, I weigh 210 pounds right now today. And, you know, I know how to use that weight. So, it, it like I said, but my kids, they're not like that. They're, they're, they're more, um, you know, they just, they just totally don't have the, the attitude of a fighter. So, I would try to push them in another direction, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, so, basically, with, with, with you saying all of that, and they know that now, so... What are they more prone to do? 
Is it more so if they're in the house, they're like, uh, I think if I'm going to get somebody mad out of the family, is it going to be mom or is it going to be dad? <laughs> so I let me just say, like, I nobody that is in my surroundings is afraid of me in the way that I'm going to actually do something to them. I'm like very, very kind and gentle and feminine when it comes to my husband. First of all, I wouldn't want a man that was afraid of me, like was afraid I was going to do something. He wouldn't be able to be my man. Like, no, I, he would not. I would not be able to have a man that felt like I was going to overpower him or that I could overpower him. That just wouldn't happen. But that never, that never comes up. I, I may get a little aggressive in my tone, um, because I am a strong woman, but um, like when I make my mind up, it's like, no, I'm going to do it this way, you know, but in terms of fighting, like, or putting my hands on somebody, that would never happen. And I would say most people think that I'm a pushover when it comes to my kids. Like Curtis is, is the more strict one. Um, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but um, yeah, I, I can't remember what the question was this time, but yeah, that that's never, that's never a thought that I would actually put my hands on them. So. With all the passion that you have uh, for your boxing career, your previous career in the ring, how did you channel that into your passion and your success after boxing? I just remember seeing boxing for the first time, having um, this fire that was lit inside of me, this interest level, and then really going to the drawing board and saying, okay, this is my goal. What will it take to actually make this happen? do I want to commit to doing those things, right? Because a lot of people say they want this, they want that. But have you actually done the research to see what it's going to take, what successful people have done? And can I be committed for the long haul? Once I make my mind up and map out a plan, then, then I'm all in. And that's pretty much the way that it goes with everything. When you um, you know, set certain goals for yourself and you do what it takes to reach them, it gives you a tremendous amount of confidence. And I always encourage people to, you know, go for what they're passionate about because it's not going to be easy. Nothing that you try to do that's worth anything is going to be easy. But if you have a passion for it, you know, you may have a bad day, you know, and you, but you're going to come back. You, that, that desire, that fire is still going to be there and it's going to make you want to come at it again. So that's pretty much the way that I've approached my life, um, approached all of my endeavors. Uh, with my brand, with Late Lolly Lifestyle, and Spice Blends, and the skincare. I just come up with these ideas and put in the work that it takes, and here I am. You talked about all of the things that you have your hands in, but what inspired you to launch your own home decor and kitchen line? You know, I was hosting a show called Homemade Simple on the Oprah Winfrey Network um, in California before I moved here to Georgia, and it went away due to COVID. But we actually went into people's homes and uh, beautified their homes. I would come in with a designer and a carpenter and we would decorate. I'd get in the kitchen and cook with them. And it was an Emmy award winning show. And that's when um, I had already had a love for decor and design. I've always been passionate about that just in my personal, you know, my personal home life. Um, so once I started doing the show, um, I, this company at home reached out to me and they were excited in partnering with me um, to do home decor. And that's pretty much how that came about. But it's funny because I said many years ago, before I even met Curtis, so over probably 20 years ago, I said that my goal was to be like a Martha Stewart when it came to branding. I wanted to have my housewares, my cookware, all of these different products, because we don't have any <clears throat> African-American women doing that. you know. And I remember B. Smith, who was the first one that I saw that did some branding, and she cooked, and she had products. And 
So she was a, another person that inspired me, but Martha Stewart's the name that most people know. So I'm really um, proud of what I've been able to accomplish by you know, setting a goal, putting it out there into the universe, and then being strategic about all of the steps that were taken. You mentioned me being on Dancing with the Stars and Mass Singer, and those things were fun, but they were really strategic because, you know, you have to keep your name out there a lot of times in our world if you're going to cross Indeed. over certain things. And, you know, I'm not the type of person who <clears throat> ever want to be an actress or want to be a singer. I don't really like the lifestyle that comes with that, but I always want to be able to partner with um, blue chip brands and do certain things, you know, because it just makes sense um, and keeping my brand out there. So. And you have your own cookbook, Food for Life. So where did your interest for cooking and, and healthy eating come from? So I've been cooking since I was 10 years old. Um, and so I was cooking before I was boxing and my mother actually didn't really cook. Um, my grandma did. So I used to call her on the phone and she would teach me how to make you know, if I need to learn how to make gravy or gumbo and, you know, she's from from Louisiana. So that's Southern cooking. And, you know, I, I learned from her. But then I started to take foods that we love. They're delicious and flavorful. But how can we make this healthier? How can we make this where it's not going to clog up your arteries? So, for example, you know, when you're making a gravy, instead of using white flour, I'll use cassava root flour. It tastes the same, you know, but it's better for you. My spice blends are organic because you think about spices we're sprinkling on your food every day, right? It's like if you have chemicals and fillers and additives and color and all these um, ingredients you can't even pronounce, you're sprinkling that on your food every day. So that's putting poison in your body every day. So the spices were really important to me to take these flavors that which is why I've been able to do well. I went on Chopped on the Food Network, competed twice and won. Um, it's because I flavor food well. So I said, let me go ahead and make a business out of this. So Leilali Spice Blends are my, like my babies. I actually did all the research, found the suppliers, the packaging, all of that, and created the recipes. And it puts a big smile on my face for people to use my spices and tell me you know, how much they love them. Well, we definitely going to use them over here now because me and two, we like to get on that grill. So I hope those salt, the, the sauces and spices and everything will be able to uh, take towards the, gr the grill well, too, right? Absolutely. You can marinate your meat with the spices. My spices right now, I have six flavors and I'm, I have three more in the process that I just created, which are actually for grilling. So you're going to have the lemon and herb. You're going to have the barbecue and you have ranch. So that's going to be kind of like a grilling pack. And you absolutely yeah. can marinate marinate your meats with that and you know a lot of times if you have a lot of sugar and spices they'll burn on the grill which you don't have yeah. with, with my spices so i had to put a little bit of brown sugar in the barbecue because you know it's barbecue, barbecue but, right. yeah but you can absolutely marinate it and i'll send you guys some spices and i want to give your audience a discount code if they go to leilali.com visit my shop i've got you know all those products that we mentioned but i also have my fan corner where you know you can get boxing gloves and photos and t-shirts and I donate 100% of the proceeds to charity. That's just one of my ways of giving back. But the code for your audience exclusively to use for 20% off of my entire store is BTM20. So that's my gift to you all for the holidays. So, and I'll send you guys some spices for sure. Oh, that's, oh, that's perfect. That's right Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I got to ask you this, though, from the cookbook Food for Life. What is the best dish or favorite recipe? One of them from it, from your oh, book. Oh, man, the best, the favorite. Oh. That's tough. You know, the, the interesting thing about the cookbook is, is that, you know, as a 
home cook. I don't even really use recipes, you know, like how, how your grandma used to cook. She just seasoned it up and flavored to taste. So to actually have to sit down and write recipes was such a challenge. And the recipes, of course, aren't going to be exactly like I cook because you have to kind of, you know, make it for everybody. So you can't season up the food too much. So I always say season to taste and make the recipes your own. But I would say um, one of the recipes that people call me for, it's not necessarily my favorite, but one that all my friends call me for and people seem to love is my oven fried chicken. Um, yeah. and, and they just love that recipe because you wouldn't even know it was oven fried um, if you make it properly. And it's just so delicious. But I've got gumbo in there. I've got the stewed chicken in there. I've got mac and cheese. I've got the greens, all the Southern favorites, but I also have a lot of salads, soups, you know, kids meals, you know, elixirs, health drinks, things like that. So, and there's a lot of um, education in the book about living a healthier lifestyle and how to take the foods and recipes that you love and revamp them to make them healthier. So, cause you know, listen, I just want to make sure I say that the reason why I started Lay Lolly Lifestyle to encourage people to be the greatest version of themselves is because, you know, especially in the African-American community, heart disease, diabetes, all of those things, obesity, are the leading killer more than anything else, more than when they call it black on black crime or, the, or, or police killing us. We're killing ourselves by the foods that we eat, by the lifestyle that we live. This is something you can change right now today. You know, so that's why I like that's what what my, one of my goals in life is to make a difference in that area, because it's the leading killer. And it's from choices that we make. And it starts with the food that we're putting in our body. And we really need to educate ourselves about that and understand the power that we have to change our lives and set examples for our kids and future generations. That's really important to me. Amen. Yes, indeed. You also mentioned on your website, Layla Ali Lifestyle, that being a champion happens by taking care of your, your mental health and your physical health as well. What are some things that you do now to help take care of your own mental health? One thing that I think is really important and underrated is just um, taking time for yourself. You know, we, we, we're always on the hustle. We're like on the grind, you know, especially now with social media, right? And just people feeling like they got to keep up with the Joneses, you know, and not really sitting down to take time for themselves and live and, and really focusing on what's really going on, not that fake life that everybody puts in your face. And I think it's really important for us to share, have conversations with those that you love, especially like with my kids. I want them to come to talk to me and tell me how they're feeling. Don't let emotions pile up until it turns into anxiety and it turns into an issue, you know, that needs to be worked out. So I think within our community, especially, we don't talk about that enough. We don't, um, it, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have weak moments. It's okay to share. We don't have to hide that. You don't have to hide who you really are because that alone, you know, will create a lot of problems and, and build up of emotional issues. So I think that, you know, when you just try to be authentic, try to be real and focus on the things that really make you happy, really make you feel good and surround yourself with good people, then it, you'll tend to have less, less problems mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, all of that. <laughs> Hope you guys, you can't hear my dog down here snoring. Oh, it's nah. all good. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. This is, this Might is behind need to give the mask. Give him a cameo if you want to. What type of dog is it? English bulldog? No, he's a pink corso. But oh shit, he's huge. I have two. I actually have. I actually have a um. Let's see, let's see him. Let's see, buddy. 
Kane Cook. What's his name? It's his buddy right here. What's up, buddy? Say hi. This dog follows me everywhere I go. Okay, he's like right by my side. <laughs> yeah, he's been laying under the table. So I have. I also have a, a French bulldog that um, we just got, but she's she's still being trained, so she can't be on the loose in the house yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So check this out. So you do have a bodyguard with you all the time, and. I respect that. I, I kind of like the Dobermans. I want to get a Doberman one day. I talk about it, but maybe one day. <laughs> Dogs are a lot of responsibility. I know it. It's like relationships. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you had an opportunity to put on your promoter hat, and if you had to schedule the greatest fight of all time from two fighters from any given era, who would they be? Oh, man, that's a tough one because there's so many fights that I think could be great fights. Um, the first two fighters that pop in my head, not necessarily the greatest fight ever, but a fight that I think I would like to see would be Terrence Crawford of today okay. against Sugar Shane Mosley ah. or Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar, that's, I thought you were about to say Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Sugar, okay, if I had to choose one, I'd say Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard. And the reason why I would like to see that fight is because we're talking about two talented fighters, you know, top level, but the output was so different back in the day. Those fighters, like when, when Sugar Ray was fighting, you know, he had, to, he had to face beasts like Tommy Hearns. And, you know, they just would, they had so much more output. You would see so much more action. So I would love to see Terrence Crawford who I think is also an amazing fighter in the ring with somebody who is going to be bringing a lot more than these fighters that um, he's facing now and see, see, you know, let him step it up a level and see what he got. With everything you have going on, I would think it would be difficult to keep that healthy balance, right? So how do you keep that healthy work and life balance? You know, it's just about priorities. You know, I think I alluded to it earlier. It's a definitely a challenge. That is the biggest challenge of my life um, is balancing everything. And to the point where I said, okay, I got to let some things go to the point where I say no to a lot of, of things because, you know, your schedule just fills up and then you look up and I always tell, especially women, because women have a hard time saying no, I don't. But, you know, every time you say yes to something, right? we say yes 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 we always want to help everybody and do for everybody um you're going to have to say no to something else i'm gonna have to say no to my children or to my husband you know because i'm i'm tired or because you know i'm busy i can't be there because i have already committed to something else so i literally um guard my time like it's my money you know because it really is important to me to just leave space, right? So I'm not always go, go, go. Cause our kids grow up so fast. You look around, I mean, my daughter's 10, my son's 13. And it's like, they were just five yesterday, you know? And it's like, you're not gonna get that time back. Um, and for me, because I'm home and I work from home a lot, you feel like you see them. They're coming down, they're having breakfast and, I, and we homeschool. So they're just here. But a lot of time I'm not present, you know? It's like, you're like looking at your phone, huh? What, you know, okay. You know, checking emails, you know, just always feeling like you have to be on top of things. And sometimes I say, okay, you know what, let me stop. You know, let me look my children in the eye. Let me look my husband in the eye and make sure that I'm actually being present. So that's it for me is just guarding my time, 
you know, um, having, and when it comes to wellness, I, I would say that having a routine really works for me. Like I have a protein shake for breakfast. Um, you know, I obviously have a nutrition product, but even if it wasn't my product, you get a good supplement, have a shake. I put my vegetables in it. Like if it's spinach, frozen spinach, I put um, berries in it. I put maca powder, I put green powder, I put, you know, my good fats. I put all of this in my shake. So now I've got my nutrition for the day, you know, more than some people have in a week from the processed food that they're eating. And I don't have to think about it anymore. So I like to just make things easy for myself, but being consistent is so important. Just eating healthy, your wellness has to be consistent. Just like if you're on medication, you have to take it every day. It's the same thing with food. You know, if you want your food to be your medicine, you got to be consistent with it. So that's it. Just keeping that schedule as thin as possible, putting my priorities in order and having routines that work for me realistically. Later, I can appreciate that because everybody goes through that time crunch and you feel like I just got to do everything. So uh, great insight on that. But before we let you go, I got to ask you one last question. Your father, the great Muhammad Ali, he established a, an amazing le legacy. And even now to this day, people still talk about your father in long-winded conversations. Uh, so I want to ask you, what will be the legacy of the great Layla Ali? <laughs> I, it's funny. I don't, I don't consider myself great, but I'll take that. Um, but, um, you know, I think that being that I'm not just the average person, I'm Muhammad Ali's daughter, I'm always going to be, like I said, thought of um, to be his daughter, which is fine to me. So even when people talk about my legacy, they're going to talk about his. So to me, to, be, to have been able to, you know, carve out my own lane in his shadow and still have lots of similarities to my father, that is an amazing thing. That is an amazing um, accomplishment um, to be respected um, and to be highlighted in so many different arenas outside of boxing. Because I remember when I was boxing, it was, oh, it's just because you're Muhammad Ali's daughter. It's like, okay, well, why was I able to do this and that and that and that? Things that my dad had nothing to do with, right? So um, it's, it's very interesting. But I think that, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be thought of to be someone who was authentic, someone who was comfortable in her own skin, and who did it her way, you know? And I think that um, that goes a long way. It doesn't sound like much, but we're living in a world where people feel like, okay, in order to be successful as a woman, you know, and in order to get any attention, you have to take your clothes off. You have to twerk. You have to do this, you have to do that. You don't, you know? I think that you can be a woman who's respected, who's thought of to be attractive or beautiful, whatever it is that people aspire to be and be successful and still do it in a way that's respectful um, and be able to crush all of my goals. Um, so that's something, and I'll, I'll be thought of to be a, a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife. All those things are really important to me. So just being very balanced. Um, I know that was a lot, but you know, when you talk about your legacy, most people don't think about their legacy or they don't talk about people's legacy until after they pass away, which is one of the things that um, I think we shouldn't do. Um, you know, I think that you should think about what you want your life to be and you should make sure you're taking steps to, for, to be able to attain that, right? Don't wait until the end to say, oh, darn, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's one thing about me. I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to have regrets in life, not the important things. You know, I got some regrets, you know, in terms of people I dated and things like that in the past. <laughs> I'm talking about not big ones, you know, when it comes to my family, when it comes to my, my children, when it comes to, 
you know, setting up um, good uh, wealth, spending habits, not wealth, but spending habits for my kids, teaching them about money, keep teaching them about saving. You know, I don't, I don't want to look back and think, dang, I should have I should have done that. Those are the things that are really important. And I think that's what we should be trying to do as parents and just as human beings in general. Well, big shout out to you, because, you know, we've had some people not necessarily on the show, but we asked that question and then they just sit back and they don't know how to answer it. So I think big kudos to you because awareness is the beginning of change. And you are very aware what we in today's time like to call it. You're woke. So, uh, <laughs> nah, man, we, we appreciate the time today, though, for real. Like it was very good to have. I appreciate you all inviting me to come on. And I hope that your audience enjoyed uh, having me. And you guys, make sure you use that discount code. I'm gonna send you guys some spices. In fact, I can't wait for you to let me know what you think of them. And I want you to be honest, because I know you're gonna love them. I'm <laughs> definitely gonna use them. You already know that. I gotta, you know, get ready. These holidays is just packed on me. I might as well keep it going to the new year, you know? Okay. They, they, okay. Hey, hey, Layla, they don't call them the plus size model for nothing now. <laughs> Look, I was just about to make that reference. I was gonna say, okay, plus size model. <laughs> you heard, you heard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I can look. People ask me, "Well, how come you weren't? Uh, you know, why didn't you ever model?" I'm like, "You see how big I am? Like, I I could be a plus size model." I used to say that. Listen, is is an acquired taste, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.